millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode three of the 5050 Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Michael. Alongside me, I got my co-host here, Mason. Say what's going on. What is up? What is going on? What's up, Mikey? You ready? Are you pumped? You're pumped for Epi 3 or what? I'm pumped for Epi 3, buddy. I'm kind of fired up right now. I'm not going to lie. I know you're fired up. This division gets me fired up. I just chugged a full cup of coffee before this. I'm ready to go. I'm revved up for this Epi. All right, buddy. Sounds good. So let's just get started here. It is day three of training camp in the NFL. Just before we get into our NFC South previews, like Mason just said, we got some things to talk about. Mace, how about you start off with Juju? What are you seeing out there? Yeah, so obviously a lot of it is just uh, coming from B reporters right now. So we want to take everything out of training camp with a grain of salt. I want to say that up front Mm -hmm. because we're going to be talking a lot of training camp and we we just want to put put the disclaimer out there. Everything out of training camp is a grain of salt. Marquez <laughs> Callaway was an elite wide receiver according to training camp last year, and we all saw how that uh, how that ended. So everything's with a, with a grain of salt. But we are hearing good things out of Casey Camp in regards to Juju. He is looking like the X receiver there. Um, I think he's going to play a little bit of slot along with it, most likely in that offense, but. It's kind of going to depend because they went out and got Sky Moore in the draft, who I like a little bit more as a slot guy personally to start his career at least. So it's going to be interesting how they mix those guys in between the slot and the wide routes. But that's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing Juju is looking like the consensus number one, and he's he's looking comfortable in the offense. Yeah, and with Sky Moore too, there's been news that he's been lined up in the backfield too. So they're going to use him kind of with the gadget guy, but I think uh... – Juju for sure might be that number one there. Uh, we'll see with MVS, but if MVS couldn't get it done with Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if Mahomes would make that much of a difference, but we'll we'll have to see. Yeah. Next guy we're going to talk about is a guy from the Packers. Now, this guy is more for dynasty purposes related, um, just because that year one impact for rookie receivers isn't usually that abundant, but it's a guy to for sure watch. 
Um, it's Romeo Dubes. And today he had three touchdowns, could have been four in training camp. And with the, the main squad, with the number ones, he had three in the end zone. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, we know in the past, always when he develops a chemistry with a guy, what does he do? He continues to go back to that guy. So it's a guy just to watch. Um, we're not saying he's going to be Devontae Adams by any means, but if you have not done a dynasty draft yet for your rookie draft, please look out for Romeo Dubes. He could be a very sneaky pick. Uh, he's usually going end of second, early third round in, in rookie drafts. Um, so look out for him. Uh, that's all we got to talk about Romeo for. Um, Mace, New England. There's a guy. New England. New England. Yeah. There's, there's a guy. I like this guy a lot coming out of college last year, Ramondre Stevenson. He's a big boy, but he's got quick feet and he moves well for his size. And I can't help but just feel he is the perfect New England running back. Yep. He's big and he looks, a, he reminds me a lot of LeGarrette Blunt, to be honest. A guy who can easily handle 20 carries per game. He's not going to break down throughout the season. And he can catch the ball as well. So he's a guy I really liked. And we're hearing he's getting a lot of first-team snaps over Damian Harris, which I personally think he's a more talented player than Damian Harris. So I, I'm really excited about this. Um, but that's what we're hearing. We're hearing first-team snaps, majority going to Ramondre. Do I think that there's any chance that this is a true workhorse running back type offense? I don't. Um, they've got Damon Harris there who has shown he is a solid NFL running back. I don't think he completely disappears. And I think by them going out and drafting uh, both Harris and Pierre Strong this year in the draft, it kind of shows they aren't in love with Ramondre. But as of right now, if I'm taking a, a running back out of New England, for me, it is Ramondre, especially with the discrepancy in ADP right now between him and Harris. Uh, Ramondre right now is RB37. And then we're looking at Harris as the uh, RB25. So mm -hmm. the discrepancy there, you're taking Stevenson way lower. As of right now, again, if these reports keep coming out, and then maybe we get into preseason and we see Ramondre continue to dominate those first team snaps. That could definitely even out when we get closer to draft time. But as of right now, I'm loving the value of Ramondre because I am personally seeing him as, as the RB one on that new England roster. Yeah. I think Mace covered it pretty well with Ramondre, but one final note for him through the first two days of camp, he is leading the team in targets, um, seven targets, six catches in the backfield. So if you get if you combine that power runner that we know that he is, and it's obviously shown that he's worked on his receiving game this summer, he could be a very sneaky pick in your in your fantasy drafts. So we can move on to our last guy we're going to talk about, um, Mace. I know you have a very special bond with him, so I'll let you talk about him. What was Saquon? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So Saquon, we're hearing he's he's healthy and and hopefully going to be back fully ready to go this season. Um, he's he's an interesting one right now. I feel like where he's going, he has the potential to be a league winner, in my opinion. Um, but you're also still having to invest a late second, early third on him, um, which is going to be risky. Saquon has yet to put together a really great season since his rookie year. And whether and for the most part, that has been injuries um, and a terrible offense. In no way am I blaming the talent of Saquon Barkley on his on his lack of production over the last few years. 
But just looking back to last year, his injuries seemed very fluky, especially that ankle one. He was just running a route and just happened to step on his teammate's foot. So I, I don't like when people call Saquon Barkley injury prone. I think he's had a string of very unfortunate events. Um, one of those unfortunate events being the Giants drafting Daniel Jones uh, to be their quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think Barkley's talent is there. From what we're hearing, he's in great shape. And I think depending on how you're looking to build your team, he could be a great a great home run swing at the end of that second, early of the third. If in the first round you went with a Christian McCaffrey and then you're coming back, maybe you maybe you shy away from Barkley. That's a lot of risk. But if you played it safe, maybe you went and grabbed a Cooper Cup or you grabbed Jonathan Taylor at, at the 101, then I think you maybe take that swing. Go for that upside. Go for that potential league winner in Saquon Barkley. But uh, again, where he is right now, I think he's going to rise as well throughout the, the preseason. The more reports come out that he's healthy, looking good, I think we see him probably rise to more the early to mid-second round. Yep, you just said it for me. I was going to say at the end there that he for sure will move up in every ADP platform online. And I have no doubt that if he stays healthy and he keeps shining in preseason, that he will be an early to second or an early to mid second round pick in pretty much every fantasy format. Uh, the talent is there. And with the new improvement in offense, I could just see him having the year. And I really want him to because the Giants have been bad and I don't want to see them be bad again. So I think we can just shy away from training camp. Um, and let's get to our division preview, Mace. I think this is actually a very packed division for fantasy purposes. I think every team here has a few guys that I really like this year. So I'll slide it to you for the first team, for the obvious, uh, the Buccaneers. So take it away. Yeah, so we'll start up with the Bucks here. Um, the wide receiver room is something that's been a hot topic, this, this Bucks wide receiver room. Early on, um, it seemed like Godwin is going to be missing some time and Mike Evans is going to be the guy. And I had Mike Evans as high as my wide receiver seven at one point. Um, I have moved him down now with the emergence of Chris Godwin looking to be a lot healthier than what people thought. And then obviously the big signing of Julio Jones. Mm -hmm. um, I think that signing is being a little bit overhyped. I think it's not going to be to the extent but yeah. it, it, it gives me vibes of A.J. Green to the Cardinals. That's kind of what I'm feeling. I think that's more the point of Julio's career that he's in. Now, he's got Tom Brady throwing him the ball. And we all know if a wide receiver is signed to a Tom Brady team, Tom Brady approved that signing. So, obviously, Brady wanted him in the room. So, he's going to get his targets. And I think he's going to be a big red zone threat. Um, especially with the loss of Rob Gronkowski. I think he's going to be a big body guy that Brady turns to when they get closer to the goal line. Um, in terms of the, the the backfield on this team, I think there's a lot of a lot of concern, it seems, in the fantasy community around Leonard Fournette that I'm just really not understanding. The guy was a workhorse last year, was highly efficient with the touches he got, and then one report comes out of him being overweight, and that's it. I I don't understand how you can just tank Leonard Fournette for that one reason, that he came in a little bit overweight. 
he's a professional athlete. He's going to get in shape. He's got lots of time. And I think this is going to be his backfield as long as there's no injury. Um, a lot of people are talking about Rashad White right now. And I think he's going to play a role in this offense. But he did struggle with pass coverage in, in college. And that's going to be a big problem in a Tom Brady ran offense. I think he's going to get his touches because Leonard Fournette's not going to command a 100% snap. Um, but Rashad White, he'll be out there on maybe some third downs is what I'm thinking because he's a really smooth pass catcher. Um, and that's going to be his main role is just that third down guy goes out, catches the ball. So I like Rashad White, but barring a Leonard Fournette injury, I don't see him being anything more than than a potential flex play once the buys start coming around. Um, but that being said, Leonard Fournette has a has a history of injuries, and him getting hurt is a very real possibility. Yeah, I think the injury concern there is for real. But you got to look at if he stays healthy, the usage is going to be there. He got pumped the ball last year. And I don't, I don't really see that changing, but I do see Rashad White kind of stepping in for more of those third down. Uh, he's going to take some pass catching. And as far as the wide receiver room goes, um, I feel bad for the 17 DB groups that have to play this team because I don't see how in any world on the red zone or in general, how you can stop Mike Evans and then you have to stop Chris Godwin and then you have to stop Julio now. I know Julio is 33 years old, but as a wide receiver three on a team, that is absolutely insane to me. So as far as Tom Brady goes this year, he is going to throw the ball a lot. And I think that might kind of hinder Leonard Fournette's carries, but I still think that he's his go-to short guy, um, even with Chris Goblin there. Um, and we kind of saw this Russell Gage hype in the offseason. I think that's kind of gone now. <laughs> I don't really see him doing a ton now because he's sort of the wide receiver four. And we know that Leonard Fournette gets all those short dump offs. So he's almost like the wide receiver five now. And yeah. I just think that there's a lot of better running backs in those late rounds that where you're taking gauge, you can take a shot on like a Rashad white could be a guy to look at. Um, but if Leonard Fournette stays healthy and I was kind of hard on the past few weeks because the whole weight thing, but looking back at his numbers, like he was actually pretty efficient too with the stuff he got. Um, he was a decent runner last year and, I remember watching some of the games that they were playing and he, for an older, older running back, he still makes guys miss. So Leonard Fournette, I wouldn't take him too high, but if he's kind of sliding down to that mid third, as far as usage goes, like as a running back too, or if you start off with two stud wide receivers as an RB one to start your team off, it's really not the worst thing to do. He probably has one of the safer floors out of all the running backs in that area, just off pure usage. And because he is the, greatest of all time a quarterback throwing the ball for checkdowns so as long as he stays healthy I don't really see how he can bust but injury concerns have always been an issue with him so it's just something to look out for but do you have anything to talk about Tampa Bay Mace or you think that covers it I, I think we're good I think we're ready to move on to the Saints another team that has a lot of action going on in the offseason um, mm. I'll let I'll let you get get your thoughts out there about, about the new Orleans saints here. But uh, yeah, I'm interested to see what you think about their, their running back situation with that looming suspension for Alvin Kamara. Well, yeah, I think that's what everyone's looking at right now. And I think the latest news was that they don't have a timetable for it. And that is something you just don't like to hear <laughs> um, because you don't know if, 
if, if you guys are drafting very early, like we don't know when this suspension could come in or if there is one. So you could draft him mid-August and there's still no timetable. And then maybe at two weeks before the season starts, they say, oh, it's six to eight games or it could be four. So it's a pretty risky situation to take on. Um, but you just know as far as league winners go that Alvin Kamara is a league winner. And that if you do take him and you have a decent team for the first six to eight weeks, that once you get Alvin Kamara back, we know what he does. So I think you just got to look out for that. As far as backups there go, um, I just don't know if any of them are really worth rostering, but I'll let you take your opinion on that first. Yeah, so I think I I think I have a little bit of a different view on the whole Alvin Kamara situation than a lot of people. Right now, it's looking like it's going to be a six-game suspension, and that's kind of a worst-case scenario. But the thing is, you're still playing a running back. You're not not filling that in so if you take even 10 points per week say you can get by 10 points just plugging and playing someone to fill in for Alvin Kamara those six weeks I think the production you're going to get out of him from week seven on is going to be worth where he's going right now if you take what he did last year and his points per game and then you incorporate it in that the first six weeks, he scored just 10 points per game, which is roughly what you'll be replacing him with during that suspension, I feel. You're still looking at the RB13 last season. So that is worst case scenario. He gets his six game suspension. You get just your eight to 10 points out of your RB3 for those six weeks. And then you have Kamara come in. Boom, that's still RB13. And when you take a look at ADP right now, Alvin Kamara is going end of the second round, mid-second, mid late second. You've got a guy that's going to turn on the Jets when he comes back because he's going to be fresh. This guy, I said it earlier about Barkley, I think even better chance Kamara is a league winner this season because how often do you get to draft a RB1, uh, upper echelon RB1, in the mid to late second round. This guy is going to be back. He's going to be great. And if you have a chance to draft Alvin Kamara anywhere in the second round, I would absolutely take that opportunity. I think it would be a massive mistake for anyone to pass up on him. And I think, again, as we push closer to the season, I don't think he gets a full six games. I think it's probably going to be closer to four, and that's going to shoot his ADP up and he'll probably be pushing the first round again. But as of right now, if, if this is where he stays as a mid-second rounder, I love that all day long. Yeah, we'll have to see. And I just looked up while you were talking there at the most recent report, and it's saying that the case goes beyond the juncture, which is scheduled for early August, that it could go into the regular season. So we don't know how long this stuff takes, like, the criminal system there is a little bit funky. And with Camara, we just don't know. But I agree with you. If, if if it's four to six games, you're getting a legit RB1, a top five running back that we know. A guy that dropped how many points last year or the year before, sorry, Christmas Day. Like he is elite running back. And you're right. He's going to be fresh. So it, that's just a guy to watch um, as we get closer to the end of training camp with the news. Um but I'm sure that when we have that episode around that juncture, we'll for sure talk about it. But I agree with you. I think it, it should be four to six weeks. And uh, I don't think it should be any longer than that. But I'm going to ask you about one guy here, Mace. 
Um, what do you think about Chris Olave with Jameis Winston? Yeah, I was actually going to bring Chris Olave up. To me, him and Alvin Kamara are the only really fantasy relevant guys this year to me. I get Michael Thomas is there and he has the big name, but unless the value is amazing, I'm not going near him. He just doesn't seem to care to play football. And I don't think that's going to fly. I think people are going to take the snaps over him. So Chris Olave is the other guy on this offense that I'm, I'm looking at for fancy implications. And I'm usually not big on rookie wide receivers because like you said earlier, historically they do have very little fantasy relevance outside of the anomalies like a Jamar chase. Um, But Chris Olave to me has the best day one skills out of any wide receiver in this class. Obviously there's guys with higher upside like the Jamison Williams and like the Drake London's, but Chris Olave's route running is top notch. And I think that is going to translate to the NFL immediately. Um, I don't see Jarvis Landry pushing him off the field. And I think he's going to remind Jameis a lot of Chris Godwin in his days in Tampa Bay. Obviously, Chris Olave is not Chris Godwin right now. Um, But with that crispy route running, I don't see Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas keeping him off the field. Um, He is highly efficient against press coverage, highly efficient against zone, and highly efficient against man. So he can be out there. He can beat any coverage. Um, He's actually the number um, number one prospect this year in success against man coverage. So I think... There's no defensive set you have to pull him out on. He's giving himself lots of opportunity to be on the field due to his route running. And I think just due to overall talent, he's going to command the targets in this offense. Um, Every other kind of rookie wide receiver is going into a team that I feel like has a guy there already that has a good rapport with a quarterback. And Alave is different. You look at Garrett Wilson, there's already Elijah, Elijah Moore there. Traylon Burks is going in. That's going to kind of just be a cluster of an offense, to be honest. Robert Woods is probably the number one there. Mm-hmm. Drake London, you've got Kyle Pitts already there. And then Jamison Williams, they've already got Amon Ross St. Brown. So Chris Olave to me, is the rookie wide receiver this season that has genuine year one potential. And just due to his uh, obscene amount of polish at such a young age, I see him at very, at very minimum getting you know, 65, 70 receptions for 750, 800 yards and maybe five touchdowns. I think that's a floor for him just because of his his polish that he already has. Yeah, and if we flash back a few years ago to Jameis Winston in Tampa Bay, we, we know that he likes to air the ball out. And even if it doesn't help the team out, who did it help? It helped the receivers out. And Chris Olave isn't Mike Evans or Chris Goblin, like you said. But what Chris Olave has is what those guys – didn't have he ran a 426 of the combine he has elite speed in the NFL and he's also like you said a very good route runner so there's no doubt in my mind that uh the Saints are going to be just firing the ball a lot and I think that you kind of go you look at their depth chart and Jarvis Landry's there I think that he's kind of underrated this year I, I do um but as far as the guy that I really think is going to stick out in the offense is gonna be Chris Olave he is going to get all these downfield throws to him from Jameis Winston, who's going to absolutely air the ball out this year. So I agree with you totally. 
there's a few other rookie receivers that I like this year, but when we get to them, I will mention it. But I actually might have to agree with you that he might have the best day one start out of all of them, uh, just because there is no really solidified one. Michael Thomas, he doesn't look that agile and quick in camp right now. He looks pretty slow, which is sad to see. And besides, he's not really a downfield guy. He never has been. And Jameis likes that. So Jameis is going to benefit Chris Olave for sure. Um, and I think that covers the Saints pretty well. I think they're the team to a little bit watch in training camp. Uh, they're not going to be that crazy of a fantasy team besides Kamara. But Chris Olave is going pretty late in most drafts, 10th, 11th round usually. So if you got a flyer, you take it on him. And uh, I think we could now shoot it over to the Atlanta Falcons, Mace. So what do you think about him? Yeah, the Falcons, I think, are a little bit of a dumpster fire this year. In all honesty, Kyle Pitts is is the guy you want if, if you're going to have somebody in this offense. I actually don't hate Marcus Mariota for him whatsoever. Um, Marcus Mariota turned Delaney Walker into a top fantasy tight end. So I don't hate that whatsoever. And then even recently, um, it was not last year, but in, in the 2019 season, Mariota came in and played played one game for Las Vegas. And in that game, Darren Waller had 26 points. So obviously an extraordinarily small sample size, but you add that on to the Delaney Walker success with Marcus Mariota. I think we're seeing a terrible offense that is going to run a lot through Kyle Pitts. And really with a tight end, if they're getting volume, they're going to produce and they're going to be a top tight end. I don't see a situation where Pitts is not a top three tight end this year to finish just due to the sheer volume. I think the touchdowns are going to be low just because his offense is going to be terrible and not score very much. But I see a lot of double-digit target games for Pitts, and that's going to result in some very, very solid and hopefully consistent uh, fantasy results. Um, aside from that, Tyler Algier, fifth-round running back. You look at his depth chart, I think he, he's just a young Mike Davis, to be honest. He takes exactly what the offensive line gets him, um, which is a little concerning because this isn't a great offensive line. It's kind of replacement level, but I think Algier does end up being the guy in this offense. Patterson's never been an RB1. He's more of a gadget guy. So I think Algier, by the end of the year, we see him getting 15 to 18 carries per game. Again, I don't know how efficient he's going to be with those because I just don't think he's that much of a dynamic runner. I think he'll get what is given to him and that's about it. So I don't know that we're going to see much upside with Tyler Algier, but later in the season, I could see him being a decent flex play. Um, but aside from that, I'm staying away from this offense. Obviously no desire to touch that quarterback room. It's going to be, Kyle Pitts, you're looking for Tyler Algier, maybe in the late rounds, if you can afford to hold on to him until he really takes over and starts getting those carries. Um, and then Drake London to me, I really like him as a prospect, but I'm just really not interested in him as a, as a player in redraft. Yeah. Kyle Pitts is for sure. Probably the only guy I'd target anywhere near the early rounds. 
Um, I even think Drake London's being drafted way too high in some drafts. I think he's like seventh round ADP or something crazy like that. Um, I just don't see it. Uh, but I agree. I I don't mind Marcus Mariota at all, and I I don't think this team will be as bad as they think as everyone thinks they will be. And I think Kyle Pitts will sort of be the one guy that'll make Atlanta football fun to watch this year. Their defense really wasn't that bad last year. And, and if you remember that those first few weeks they played, they lost just due to special teams, like awful, awful plays. They, that was a team that could have been 3-0 to start the season, but they threw some games at the beginning of this year. And it just seemed like they didn't really care towards the end because they just wanted a better draft pick. And truthfully, I don't really think they improved that much currently with the draft. Um, they took Drake London. I don't really think they needed to. Because uh, I, I guess Calvin really is coming back next year. But um, as far as Atlanta improves, they didn't really improve that much, in my opinion. But fantasy wise, I agree. Pitts is the guy. I wouldn't really take Drake. Tyler Algier is a little bit interesting, though, because he does have 12th, 13th round ADP. I know you're not as high on him as me. And I wouldn't say that I'm that high on him personally. But just as far as usage goes, I could see him being a decent flex play. And from what I've seen, it, it seems like that he is getting first team reps already. So I wouldn't be surprised if he takes over a lot sooner than people think so. Because I think Cordell Patterson will be a much more gadget player. He's going to be lined up in the slot. He's going to go back to special teams a little bit more. I think last year we saw was just a little bit of an anomaly as far as fantasy football goes. So just don't draft Cordell Patterson, please. <laughs> That's what we're trying to basically say to you. Um, but yeah, as far as Atlanta goes pits and that's really about it so yeah. not really that great of a fantasy team to talk about no. and I think we can move on from them now yeah let's let's get over to carolina here carolina <laughs> carolina they're a little better for fantasy not a lot better in my opinion um i think i have a little bit of an out there view on christian mccaffrey i recently updated my rankings and i moved him down to my 108 um, overall. I don't see uh, his upside being worth the risk anymore. After all these injuries, we aren't going to get the 25 points per game Christian McCaffrey, even if he stays healthy. So taking him over, well, I'll, I'll reach my top five right now. I've got Jonathan Taylor one. I've got Najee Harris two. I've got Dalvin Cook three and Austin Eckler four. And I don't see how you can justify taking McCaffrey over those four guys because Eckler, Cook, and Taylor all have the potential and, and the upside of McCaffrey with much lower risk injury. And Najee Harris maybe doesn't have the ceiling of Christian McCaffrey, but he is probably the most workhorse-ish running back there is in the NFL right now. He is the only guy, and he has really no injury history. So to say you would take McCaffrey over those four guys, I don't see how the risk uh, is worth it for the reward you're going to get with Christian McCaffrey this season. So I know I'm low on him, um, but I'm just I'm really struggling to see how you can take a guy who hasn't really played football now for two full seasons over proven running backs that have been actively playing, actively putting up fantasy numbers and don't have the injury history. People think Dalvin cook is, is injury prone. He is nowhere near as Christian McCaffrey. It, 
Dalvin Cook still plays a majority of seasons. And if you get 12 games out of him and have to play Alexander Madison for four, who cares? Because at least Madison is producing. And that's kind of another gripe I have with Christian McCaffrey is you draft Chuba Hubbard probably as the guy. I'd assume he's going to be the number two after Donta Foreman. And Chuba Hubbard's terrible. So you don't have a handcuff that you can go and grab and feel comfortable with like you can with Dalvin Cook. I don't think Chuba Hubbard's going to produce even if McCaffrey goes down. So I don't like McCaffrey. Obviously, I will take him after those top four running backs because then everyone's risky. You got the Derrick Henrys in there. So at that point, if you're going to take a risky running back, you might as well go for that high upside in McCaffrey. But I don't see him being worth a top four running back spot. And that's why I've got him at the 108 right now. Um, And then in terms of the wide receiver room, there is one guy on my board, and that's DJ Moore. I don't see anyone else except for potentially Terrace Marshall putting up any sort of fantasy relevance this season. Um, But I do like DJ Moore with that Baker Mayfield edition. I think Baker's a lot better at quarterback than people think. I think he got a lot of hate because he talks a lot and because he plays or played for the worst franchise in NFL history. So I think a mix of playing for the Browns and having a big mouth really wrecked his reputation of being what I feel is a very solid NFL quarterback. Um, Is he elite? Is he going to pull up DJ Moore to be a wide receiver five this season? Probably not, but he's a massive upgrade over Darnold and DJ Moore already is a very quarterback proof wide receiver. That's going to put up a wide receiver two season for you in fantasy, no matter who's at back there throwing the ball. So I think Baker gives just a little bit of fire to this offense that DJ Moore is going to take and run with. Um, and I see DJ putting up a career season with Baker at, at center. So I'm just going to read off some names here. Mace, you know how high I'm on DJ Moore. And Cam Newton, Kyle Allen, Taylor Heineke, Will Greyer, Teddy Bridgewater, PJ Walker, and Sam Darnold. In four years of playing football in the National Football League, those are his seven quarterbacks he's had. He started off with a very impressive 800-yard year, year, sorry. And since then, what has he done? Three straight 1,100-plus yard seasons. And they were all pushing 1,200. But what did he lack? It was it was touchdowns. And I think that wasn't really due to his fault. Like, I just think it's really been quarterback play. And I know a lot of people aren't very high on Baker Mayfield. I get it. He's not the best quarterback. But I still think he's an average QB. And I just read off seven names that are below bottom five quarterbacks. So you're getting a massive increase there with a guy that has proven to get 1,200 yards a year with these awful quarterbacks. So, and the craziest thing is, is that his ADP did not even climb. He has been the same ADP since the Baker Mayfield trade, which is absolutely insane to me because how big of a difference it is. And I think that he just is a really consistent player. And if you take a risky player in the first two rounds and you're maybe at the end of the, um, you have the three, four pick at the turn, you got to pick one of those for DJ Moore. He, for me, is like a must target in that range. Um, There are guys there that I like. They're like Deontay Johnson's there, McLaurin's there, but they just don't really have consistent QB play. Uh, Carson Wentz, I'm not a huge fan of. Pittsburgh, we have no idea the quarterback is. It could be Mason Rudolph for all we know. And Baker Mayfield is a lot better than that. And 
I just think he's been hated on a little bit too much. Like he he's a guy that really has not been that awful, but I just think the public perception of him has really made it seem that he is bad. Like he was 11 and five in the 2020 year. I don't know where that went. And I know he only threw 26 touchdowns, but that is still so much significantly better than any other QB that they've ever had. So as far as DJ Moore goes, that's all I have to say is that I'm a huge believer of him and cut to Christian McCaffrey. Um, I think that the Panthers have a solid O-line and they spent a first round pick or a top six pick, sorry, at Kema Kwanu. And I think he's pretty athletic and that will help the screenplays with Christian McCaffrey going. And I don't think I'm as low as McCaffrey as you are. I think he's probably my 106. I just kind of see those three receivers being more of a consistent, safe floor. I have JT up there and the 105 for me is kind of changing a little bit. So it's, it's very interchangeable there, but McCaffrey to me, I think at 108 is a little bit of a reach. So I might have to disagree with you there, but if he stays healthy, we know what McCaffrey will do, but I agree. There'll never be a 2019 season again. He was absolutely insane that year. He broke pretty much every fantasy stat, but I just don't see that happening again. But if you can get him at like the 106, 107, that is an absolute steal and you have to do it. And on the way back, I would recommend taking a safe floor guy. Uh, Mike Evans might be a little bit of reach now with Julio Jones being there, but there are very safe receiver in that, in that area that you should try to combine Christian McCaffrey with. Um, So I believe in the Panthers. I think Baker's a decent player, but do I see this team making playoffs? I don't, but I do see good fantasy value from this team. I yep. see DJ Moore and I see Christian McCaffrey and I like it. I, I really think that this could be DJ Moore's breakout year, even though he's sort of already been breaking out. It's just, if you add touchdowns to his years, he's a completely different player. It's just, he has four touchdowns a year, the last three years. And you look at his efficiency. He's great. And I, I was just reading reports on him earlier today that he is by far the best offensive player at camp right now. He had like a 60 yard touchdown today or something crazy like that. So if he stays healthy, if it's still looking good, if Baker's performing well in camp, we will get to that later when we do our rankings and our mock drafts. I love DJ Moore and I'll let you, let you take it over from here. Yeah. So let's get into to our predictions for the divisional standings. What, what are you yeah. thinking? Um, this is a really tough division for me for standings, but I think obviously the one with the bucks, I think that's the obvious choice, but the bottom three, I really don't know. Um, but I will say I'm very high in the Panthers this year. I think they have a really underrated secondary and defense. So I go Panthers two. I'm going to go saints three and Falcons four. Unfortunately. Uh, what about you? Yeah. I, I'm going to have it the exact same. I thought you would have, I thought you were going to have the Saints at two, but yeah, I'm going to go the exact same. I got Bucks one, and I don't see any scenario where there's anything yeah. other than that result. Um, Panthers and Saints, they could definitely flip flop, but I do believe Panthers will end up probably an eight and eight team, nine and nine, or sorry, I guess it'd be a nine and eight team now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I see them probably being around that nine and eight, and then Saints being eight and nine, probably. Um, and then Falcons, I really don't have any hopes for that team. I think if they win six games, that's a pretty solid season for them. But that's about all we need to say about this NFC South division. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode three 
of uh, of 50-50 Fantasy. We appreciate all your support. The downloads went up for episode two, so hopefully we see another one. Tell your friends, tell your family, get them, get them on the 50-50 train. We love you all. Have a great day. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.